Uh, hello, and welcome to episode 35 of Friends of the Show. I am Stephen W. Skinner, and this is a show where I talk to the funniest and nicest people I know. They, them, friends of the show. This week's friend is Steve at Steve vs. Ninjas. We have a great old time chatting about his adventures scaling sheer rock faces with an overly optimistic pal. We delve into his fascination with ninjas and answer great questions submitted by listeners just like you. Well, it's Friends of the Show, episode 35 with Steve versus Ninjas. Later, he was to decide that Andrew's life had been fractally weird. That is, you could take any small piece of it and examine it in detail, and it, in and of itself, would turn out to be just as complicated and weird as the whole thing in its entirety. Neil Stevenson, Cryptonomicon. Cryptonomicon. Cool quote. So, welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you very much, Stephen. All right. So, for the listeners, Steve is a very funny and nice Twitter person who is pals with all the cool people online, tells a lot of great jokes, and I, for one, love a good namesake. Uh, I love a good see all the Steves out there, and especially ones who spell their name with a V, the one true spelling. <laughs> so, oh, oh. <laughs> oh no, you're a PH that, about you, to have that you go by V. Oh, those are the worst types. Well, oh, yeah. this. I'm, I'm actually a Steven, but I don't spell it out and there's no I don't want to be Steph there's no short uh, I'm Stephen with a PH there's no short version of stuff that is pronounced right so no that's true and that's why you had to come over to the the right side and just with your uh, your name you use the V in everyday life right that's you go by Steve I guess I do go by Steve yeah. yeah and I think you're right about the right side because so many people, when they see Stephen, they pronounce it wrong. And I'm like, really? You've never heard of Stephen King? You say his name right. Yeah, but- you never heard of Neil oh, Stevenson <laughs> from yeah. Cryptonomicon? Uh, so, all right. Well, we can agree to disagree, but agree that the V is, you know, just phonetically easier. The V is key. The V is key. So um, thank you for joining us this week. Sadly, the ninjas could not join us. Well, you never know. Oh, that's a tease. That is a tease, listeners. At any time, we could be cut down by ninjas. So, uh, yeah, welcome to the show. So let's begin by getting a little bit of background about you. Now, tell us about yourself. Uh, Where did you grow up? What did your folks do? Who are your guys? I'm a fine Midwest dude. I grew up in Michigan and kind of in in a boring town in South western Michigan and it was pretty flat and dull there and I went to school in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Wisconsin where I learned to appreciate cheese curds and all the good dairy from Wisconsin (laughs) and that's where I met my wife and we were in school together. In our last semester we had three classes together. It It was just as we were seniors and so we fell in love and oh. we married and we lived there for a while. But then we decided we wanted to live somewhere 
cool somewhere where <laughs> yeah. you want to be on vacation. You yeah, know? where stuff's happening. Yeah. So we auditioned a bunch of cities out west. We took a took a big road trip and a world trip and tried to look for a place that would be cool to live. And we looked at Boulder and we looked at Flagstaff and Seattle and okay. all the, all the all cool the, towns out west. Yeah, and, the uh, cool spots. Yeah, and ended up in Portland. Portland was the coolest place we could find. So. Oh, keeping it weird. Yeah. All right, that's cool. Yeah, so Portland, that's a pretty hip place. Did you... You got in on the hip hip express? Do you do? Yeah, any? I get. We're probably not the most hip people. In I was Portland. wondering. We're like, we're like here, we don't have like fixie bikes, and uh, and I don't have a giant beard or anything. But what we like about here is the outdoors is so nice. We mm. we love to do stuff outdoors, and so you can drive for an hour, and you can be at beautiful ocean beaches with big rocky cliffs, or you can drive an hour the other direction. You can be at snowy Mount Hood. It's just a really, really beautiful place and a lot of great outdoor opportunities. Ah, so you're an outdoorsman's. Outdoorsman. Yeah, so what's your favorite uh, style of outdoor activity or do you do it all? I'm talking skiing. I'm talking hiking. What else? Uh, kayaking. I got oh, two kayaks. So kayaking. I'll take friends out or I'll take my kids out one at a time, each uh, getting their own kayak. And um, I like to do rock climbing and mountaineering. I've done a little bit less of that since my wife wor- is a big warrior, so <laughs> I don't get to go mountaineering as much as I as I used to. But less extreme yeah. sports, but yeah, love a good kayak. Ooh, on that still lake or something. And but there's a lot of great national parks out there. Is that where you're heading out to? Yeah, there's some beautiful spots to go. Mount Hood is really pretty. There's one place that's really nice is called Smith Rock State Park. You probably haven't heard of it, but if you ever go look at a copy of like climbing magazine or like rock and ice, a lot of times the cover shot will be from Smith rock. It's just this beautiful red rock Canyon and it's got some of the hardest climbing in the world. So people get excited about these crazy hard routes to climb and they, you know, put them on the cover of the magazine and stuff, but it's a beautiful place to go. There's otters in the river that I've seen and eagles and stuff it's a really really nice place oh yeah gotta love that sweet sweet nature guys you gotta get out and enjoy nature i hope you're listening right now enjoying nature (laughs) that's right wherever you're listening i hope you're able to enjoy some nature right now because i also love it and (laughs) steve loves it you gotta get out there enjoy that fresh air see an otter wave hello to an eagle and yeah, kayaking is great. So what about skiing or mountain sports? Are you allowed to do that? <laughs> I oh, guess that's still pretty yeah. dangerous. I don't know. Double black diamond. Yeah. Are you pretty good? Uh, I am. I'm no, I'm not a great, I'm not a great skier. I can, I can survive black diamond and I can ski nicely on blue <laughs> and green's a little slow. And so that's, that's where I'm at. All right. But yeah, I enjoy it. I kind of have aspirations of getting some crazy, really expensive ski gear called Randonnée. Have you ever heard of that? Mm, no, so fancy that I, I haven't heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's What it is is it lets you use your skis like cross-country skis where you have just have your toes locked in and it's flexible. Oh, you know, so you okay, like yeah, yeah. You yeah. around in the flats. Right. But then you can lock the heels down and ski them like they're downhill. Oh, so it's optional, so you can click in and click out. Yeah, I thought 
that'd be that'd be cool one pair of skis that can do everything and you can like climb mountains in them you can put skins on them right and hike your way up the slope and then ski ski it back down which sounded super fun yeah that's hardcore yeah (laughs) that's next level the thing is i'm not like a super awesome skier so this is probably a dumb idea but it's something i aspire to (laughs) yeah you always got to have that next level to hit especially since you can't uh be climbing belaying steep cliff faces anymore did you ever get out there and do like some steep rock climbing back in the day yeah yeah i've done some of that there's some great mountains in oregon and washington i've climbed mount hood a few times and i've climbed mount st helens and Whoa. i know that one. <laughs> stuff by rainier and a really cool one i did probably the last big climb that i did with this club that i'm in or was in was a mountain called three finger jack that nobody's heard of but it was really neat because we did it in the winter and so it was like you get to use all of your stuff there's like <laughs> uh, ice screws that you, you drill into ice to clip into but there's also bare rock on it so we got to do rock climbing and ice climbing and cool it was really like a a real capstone kind of thing where you get to use all your all your tools and skills is really fun. Man, that's pretty great. And you're in a club, so it was a bunch of cool, like-minded individuals out there. All that y'all got all the gear. <laughs> so, yeah, like pass yeah. me an ice screw. The Mazamas. <laughs> the Mazamas is the name of the club, which is uh, I forget which Indian uh, or Native American language that is, but it means mountain goats in in some language. Oh, cool! I get some Mazamas shirts made up. Man, that is that is the stuff. Love a good club, create a good sense of community, climb some stuff. Yeah, and they really uh, offer some good education opportunities. You can you can really get trained up. They're a very um, organized club. They've been around for a long time, and they have people that teach classes and stuff like that. And the class that I had done with them was called Intermediate Climb School, and it lasted six months. Oh, wow. And you would do like a weekend a month, and then like a classroom session a month or maybe two classroom sessions a month so that was fun and we learned all the stuff from avalanche stuff to belaying on snow belaying on ice accident management all that good stuff it was really fun man that's great so next next step expert climber get you Mm -hmm. on the cover of climb magazine (laughs) i'm not i'm not any world-class athlete to do that stuff i also have like no aspirations to do super hard things you know yeah, like yeah. I, I don't even really want to do like Denali, or I'm not even excited about doing Rainier. I like doing kind of a, a one day climb, or I like doing longer backpack trips. But I don't want to do anything where I have to walk on crazy ladders tied together. For <laughs> oh man, yeah, I've seen that ladder tied together thing. Like, who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I guess you got nothing else up there, but geez, super yeah. dangerous. Yeah, not not into stepping over the the bodies of uh, highly motivated individuals who froze <laughs> to death. Yeah, excuse me, Sherpa. Oh, Sherpa, <laughs> you gotta get a Sherpa. Oh yeah, you gotta get a Sherpa. <laughs> a lot yeah. of Sherpas out there in uh, Oregon. They've all headed further north for for more uh, inhospitable climbs, I guess. Oh, have you ever been up to inhospitable climbs? I'm talking about Canada. I'm talking about my home country. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been to, I've been to your fair city when I was uh, in the winter. Actually, my wife and I we absconded away from Wisconsin to go up to 
hang out around Christmas time in Toronto. We had a lovely time. It's a beautiful city. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Yeah. Uh, And it was nice around the holidays because it can get a little nutty. I mean, it gets nutty everywhere, I'm sure, around seasonal holidays. But uh, yeah, it gets it can get super crazy. But I'm glad that you had a good time and you weren't spoiled on our local city. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it was great. Cool. We also uh, have gone up to Vancouver, which is our our closest beautiful big Canadian city. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Vancouver? I was in Vancouver for the Olympics. I worked at the hockey house, and it was a great time. Wow, that must have been crazy. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, but that was my only time going out west to Vancouver. So I was there for almost a month, just over three or so weeks. Um, and most of it was, yeah, working, but I did get uh, to check out certain sites and it was very nice. <laughs> it's like kind of like Toronto, but somehow a little bit nicer almost. I don't want to say feels, ni- nicer, but uh, I don't know, nicer. <laughs> yeah, it feels kind of um, Disneyland like, you know, it's just, it's beautiful and clean and there's mountains snow-capped mountains all around it and yeah i I could never get over that like uh the just mountains in the background i think that's probably what it was i still it may may have been a matte painting but i I did i wasn't sure (laughs) yeah yeah i loved it so oh so you've been to vancouver as well so that's great uh double which one did you like better vancouver i guess (laughs) yeah i guess i like vancouver better yeah it's more outdoorsy like you're out on the island too have you been did you get to go across Mm. to um Victoria? Unfortunately, I did not. Oh, yeah, that's a cool place to go to. It's a cute little town. And then on the island, once we went to the other side of Vancouver Island, it's really big, and there's a cool town on the other side called Tofino, so it's out on the Pacific side out in the far west. Yeah, that's where all so the that's surfers cool go. Yeah, I learned to surf there. And that was fun. You went surfing there? Oh, man, you're doing yeah. all the cool esports. <laughs> Call the cool extreme sports so surfing climbing <laughs> skiing a lot of good Motorbike stuff jumping, Motor- extreme flaming unicycle motocross you know, all of the things i'm basically i want to make a remake of point break oh wait a minute they already did that <laughs> just there. in your real life uh yeah. do you have one of those squirrel suits <laughs> you just go oh yeah i got a squirrel suit base yeah. jump with the squirrel suit and you're like flying inches of feet over trees we're all the way down like a mountain face. Those are pretty nuts. <laughs> so no, no squirrel suit. No, I need to work on my uh, my Rocky Rocky the Flying Squirrel accent before I can <laughs> pull that off. Right, One thing cool. that was kind of crazy about learning to surf there is there was a strange water hazard, which was when we were on the beach. There was I was walking on the beach and I saw something cool in the sand. I went over and looked at it. And it's a squid, but it's a really big squid. I mean, the body of the squid was like a mailbox, and then it had tentacles beyond that. I'm like, holy crap, this is cool. Wow. So I was checking it out, and I was trying to remember where it was on the beach so I could go back and show my kids because I was by myself. And then I sort of looked around, and it was like one of those horror movie scenes where suddenly the camera backs up. And you see that there's hundreds of these dead squid oh all over God. the beach. Oh, they're all dead? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And so I asked, uh, the, the next day I had a surfing lesson, and I asked the guy giving the lesson, and he was explaining the different hazards and stuff and the, off, the longshore currents and all that stuff. 
And I said, what do we do if there's a giant squid in the water? And he goes, if there's a squid, I'm getting out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it turns out like, I guess something had, they had like followed some warm El Nino current up. They're usually like down in Baja, California, but some warm current had led them way up north. And then the warm current just petered out and they all died of cold shock and washed up on the beach. It was really weird. Dang. Well, that's unfortunate. You got to follow yeah. your right currents, guys. <laughs> Le- <laughs> that's right. Listeners, always remember, make sure you're on the right current. Maintain your compass. Stay south. Yeah, I think we've transitioned into a La Nina system, actually, so they should be okay this time. All right, good. Good to know. Good. All right, well, thank you for that lovely background. Now we know a bit about you. Let's. That's going to inform your story, which has uh, kind of like what we were talking about, and it is called Never Trust an Optimistic Mountaineer. Yeah. So I've got this friend. <clears throat> he was a friend from work. I started working at this place. I'm a software. I was a software. I've been at all kinds of roles in software. At that time, I was a tech support person, and there was a guy who was a developer there, and he's a super optimistic guy. His name is Glenn, and he's just real cheerful, and he's real knowledgeable about mountaineering. And I thought, oh, this is great. This will be a guy who can teach me stuff. But I found out about Glenn being an optimistic mountaineer is not really a great thing because you kind of want somebody with judgment. Mm. You want somebody who says, yeah, no, I I don't think we should do this. But he's always like this can-do guy, you know, (laughs) he's – positive about everything right if the weather's terrible he's like oh well this is probably about as bad as it can get so we should go anyway because it'll just get better out (laughs) so before i knew too much about him he invited me to go rock climbing and i said i can't really go this weekend i really wanted to go with him but he, he said no no we can just go for one day just saturday and i'm like well but i'm supposed to I have the baby at home and I don't want to leave Julie with the baby. And he's like, no, bring Julie and the baby. We'll do a little climb and then we'll let Julie do some climbing too. And it'll be great. It'll be a nice, easy climb and we'll be gone for an hour or two. And then we'll, we'll come back and Julie, we can have her do climbing some top roping. So he talks me into this. We go to Smith Rock state park which i was talking about earlier Mm -hmm. and it's gorgeous there and it's also it's a deserty kind of climb it's high desert and so julie and the baby find some shade to hang out in and glenn and i go do this climb and it's the first time i've ever done a multi-pitch climb so without getting too technical about what that means it's basically like if your rope isn't long enough to get to the top you one person climbs up and finds a place to stop in the middle on the cliff. And then the second person climbs up and joins them. And then the first person goes up again, right? And you're belaying. One, the guy who's at the bottom is belaying. And belaying means that you're holding the rope, the rope or through your device and you're going to catch them if they fall, right? Yeah. This is the first time I had done one of these multi-pitch climbs. And it was scary. It was a little harder than I wanted to do. Because he had, of course, upsold me a little bit on the climb. And the second thing that's scary is while I'm belaying him, I'm in this terrible little sloping pocket. And I'm 160 feet up. 
and the the pocket is it's it's kind of like a cave but it like slopes downward and outward so it's like really scary like you're gonna fall out of it i mean you're clipped in clipped in but you're just feeling really uncomfortable and also i'm feeling like if he falls because of the way the rope is going up to him I'll get pulled upward and I'll like rack myself on the ceiling of this little cave I'm in. So I'm really nervous about it, but we get to the top, but it takes longer than we thought, but we finally get on top, which is great. And then we got to rappel down the back side of it. No problem. And because this thing, yeah, is super tall. You can't do it in one rappel. You have to do it in more than one rappel. And the way that you do that is you, we had two ropes. And so we tied both ropes together and then you you clip the ropes into a carabiner at the at the top, and then you rappel down both strands of the rope at the same time. Okay, Does that makes sense. Yeah. And then when you get to the bottom, you can pull on one of the sides of the rope, and you can get the rope back, right? Okay. Because you don't want to just tie the rope around a rock and slide down it, because then you leave your two hundred dollar rope there. Those ropes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't want to do that. So we rappel down to the, the first ledge that we need to stop at. So we're like basically halfway and we pull the ropes and the rope falls in kind of a big tangly wad and it falls between in kind of like a V notch of rock oh, no. and just falls down and gets totally wedged and we can't get the rope back. So we're pulling on it. We're putting all our weight on it and we can't get it back and it's starting to get dark and we're way overdue for getting back to Julie and I'm feeling terrible. So I'm like, we just, we got to get down. And so we ended up leaving that rope. We untied the two ropes together. And then we just had, we had to do what I just told you that you never want to do, which is we just tied our rope, our last remaining rope off on the carabiner and rappel down. And now we've left two $200 ropes on the mountain. No. <laughs> and I had to run back to Julie in my climbing shoes and she was steamed as you would expect because she's a worrier and she's had to hang out with the baby all day and then she gave. Yeah, and the baby was like, what the heck, yeah. when's my turn? And the baby's not even getting a turn. That's right. <laughs> so the, now this has turned into a two-day trip because Glenn's like, oh, we, we can't leave those ropes there. I'm like, we're not going to go get them in the dark. And he's like, oh, we'll just stay overnight and we'll go get them tomorrow. <laughs> no problem. So I'm, like, I'm like, I'll give you $200 for your rope yeah. and my rope's a loss. And he's like, no, 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 we have to go get them. So he, he's very positive and very convincing. So he convinced us to stay the night. So we stayed in a crappy little hotel and we went back the next day to get the rope. And to do it, to get to get back up the rope, it's, it's a sheer face. You can't even climb it. And we don't even have a rope to belay with because both of our ropes are used. So what you have to do is you have to prussic. And that's where you actually like tie a special knot that can give you friction. And you climb like straight up the rope like Batman. Okay. Yeah. And to do that, you have to like step in a loop. And so you put your hiking boots on because your climbing shoes are little tiny shoes and they're real uncomfortable. And you're basically stepping in a thin piece of rope, you know, and it, it would hurt. So you wear hiking boots. And so we, we climb up the rope. We do that. Okay. And then Glenn has to climb up to where the rope got stuck. And so for that, he changes into his climbing shoes. And while he's doing that, he drops one of his climbing shoes. Oh no, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> so that falls a hundred feet down to the deck. And, and now we're like, Oh, well, so he climbs it in one hiking boot and one climbing shoe and it's this really hard climb and I'm like, oh, don't fall, don't fall because this is not, 
in sometimes when you when you're clipped in, you're real confident and it you feel like your protection's really good. And in this case, I was like, this is not good. Do not fall. Do not fall. But he managed to free up our other rope and get down and everything worked out okay <laughs> and nobody died. So. Well, there you go. I got to look on the bright side, right? Like what would Glenn do? What would Glenn think about it? <laughs> Glenn he would say, we got a great right. story out of it to tell on a podcast potentially one day. And yeah, we got to stay over an extra night. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> you probably got to watch a movie in the hotel. I don't know. Baby was loving it. A trip. exactly yep so that was the the one of of several glenn epics that i went on with him before i learned my lesson seems like there was always something like that there was always some kind of upsell and some some crazy other thing happened but (laughs) you're like all right still go with him because i'm like a slow learner glenn you said you'd had two fully experienced sherpas to help us up everest and you're like where are they like the thing about that is we don't need them (laughs) <laughs> donkeys are way better yeah we don't need them come on let's go <laughs> like all right that, glenn. That is not i think you you have uh encapsulated the glenn character that's that's exactly <laughs> what you would do well i'm glad you got your rope back did you still have to this day i do i do still have it good rope all right well thank you that was a great story thank you for sharing that and now we get into talking about Twitter. And I'm wondering, how'd you pick your handle? I picked my handle because I always, I grew up in the 80s and we had HBO and there were always these ninja movies on HBO and whatever you're doing, if there's a ninja movie on, you got to stop doing it and watch <laughs> that ninja movie. And so I watched Revenge of the Ninja and Enter the Ninja and all those great movies that were constantly playing on HBO. And I just I just love ninjas. If so. it's got a ninja, you're into it. <laughs> That's right. What's your favorite uh, ninja movie? Oh, gosh. It would probably have to be like Enter the Ninja. It was just super cheesy and uh, it was it was great and just has lots of crazy you know why 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 would you ever back up when you can backflip up right (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's true i guess that's true enter the ninja very cool you're talking about the 1981 american ninja action film directed by menahem golan (laughs) i did not know that but starring franco nero susan george christopher george and shokusugi shokusugi he's the man you got to see all of his movies. So he's the guy. Yeah, uh, this this says here it's often credited starting the ninja movie craze of the 1980s. I didn't realize that there was a ninja movie craze, but I guess it's part of the ninja trilogy anthology series. Followed, oh yeah, followed by yeah. maybe maybe Revenge of the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, which is the next one, and then Ninja Three, the Domination, the Domination. <laughs> the domination. My man oh, yeah. knows his ninja movies, so you'd have to say Enter the Ninja because it's the originator. That's why yeah. you, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the poster. It says, Warriors of a Lost Martial Art, Hired Assassins, Human Killing Machines. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got a huge, like, ninja star and a ninja with the, what's the double swords called? It's like, Katana oh, is like-, like the big sword, but you got the two like medium sized half size swords. I think those are called something. Oh, like a wakazashi, like the the short length samurai sword. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> pretty yeah. cool. All right. So do you know any Kung Fu or any cool uh, ways to defend yourself against ninjas? I do actually. I, I, from loving those ninja movies and stuff, when my friend started doing karate at the Y, I started doing it with him. And I've always done a martial art pretty much continuously since I was 16 or so. Nice. So yeah, I've done a lot of different, different things, done some Aikido and done a, a style called Weichi Ru, which is a, it's basically like the karate kid. I mean, we literally have a lot of the moves that are shown in the karate kid. <laughs> it's just a karate kid based martial art. Yeah. It's yeah. like a lot of car waxing, but trust me, it gets good. <laughs> yeah. Pat Morita is our, our, <laughs> our master. And then, uh, yeah. And I do some, some weapon martial arts, which are really fun, which are Filipino based mm. in the Philippines. They have kind of a different, idea about it which is that you learn weapons first and you learn empty hands at the end because they figure hey you you need to get in business right away and learn how to use a a sword or a knife or something but yeah i guess that's true Use your sword or knife then we'll teach you empty hands if you live that long (laughs) (laughs) yeah well at the end you get to the point where you are the weapon (laughs) right someday i knew um i knew a guy when i was living and working in california one of um, our bosses had the cards like the two cards that say that he's like a lethal weapon (laughs) pretty cool pretty neat pretty cool stuff so yeah that's great i uh when i was younger we of course my brother and i were enrolled in jiu-jitsu which was a fun martial art and i can still count in japanese (laughs) if nothing else i learned to count in japanese yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's good. Did it you fun. did you do the old um the old like Japanese style jujitsu where you were standing up and doing a lot of throws or did you yeah. roll on the mat like the Brazilian style? Yeah, standing up, all like standing throws and uh so stuff like that. Yeah, it was good. It was nice. If nothing else, a good place to go every week <laughs> for an hour or so. Get some yeah, exercise. Yeah, some exercise. Learning that that stuff you may never end up using it like I've never I think last time I was in a fight was in fourth grade on the playground or something like that. But yeah, but you know what? Aikido saved my life once, which you would probably learn the same like front rolls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was riding my bike and I flew over the handlebars and managed to roll before I knew what I was doing. I managed to roll up to my feet and oh, survive. So that would have been so cool to see. <laughs> my dad actually witnessed it. He said, wow, that was cool. Man, that is cool. And actually, yeah, the, the learning how to land and learning how to roll was incredibly valuable. And I think I have actually used that a couple times too. Like you mean, you just fall. Yeah. Like off a bike or something, uh, from a height, just throw that shoulder under and yeah, roll it out. So, yeah. Yeah. Good Being to good know. Falling down is a good life skill. You got to learn how to fall before you can learn how to fly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, let's also continue to talk about Twitter. What is a fond memory uh, you have of something that happened? Maybe a nice interaction or something of that nature. Something that happened to me before I had hardly any followers. I'm going to say I had, you know, just a few, a few hundred, like maybe 300 followers was I, I hadn't been noticed by many people and I hadn't had I don't I had not been in any group DMs at that point. I was basically kinda undiscovered but still writing jokes and trying to find my way. And somebody did something really unexpected for me and it was Prob Goblin. Okay. And Prob Goblin just totally blew up my Fav Star. 
he retweeted me like 20 times. Wow. And I was just like, whoa, this is amazing. Nobody had ever done that for me. And he got me a whole bunch of followers and it was really cool. But the best part was, is I went to thank him in a DM and I was, you know, typing all these effusive words of thanks. And he sent me back just a very strange gif of like a weird machine or something like that. And I said, oh, okay, well, thanks, man. It was really awesome. And he just sent me another weird gif of something. And it was just one of my favorite things that's ever happened. Is he just Everything I wrote to him, he just responded with some kind of weird gif or machine. And I, I just loved it. That's so funny. He, yeah, you can't ask why. It's just <laughs> that is what it is. It Don't try to perfect. understand the machine. <laughs> no, it All was right. just really funny, really memorable. No, that's great. So shout out to Probe Goblin. All right. Do you have any mo- uh, memorable interactions with any celebrities or brands even? Anyone that we would know? Probably the the coolest person. I really like Mark Hoppus, and he's retweeted my tweets. I haven't, like, DM'd with him or anything like that, but it's really exciting to get a Mark Hoppus retweet. Cause yeah, it's nice. Millions of followers and stuff, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, well, that's good. That is good enough. And a new thing that I'm trying, ask ask a question for next week's guest. So you ask a question now, and then the guest, whoever it is next week, will have to answer it. Ooh, I don't know who it is, so that makes it interesting. It's a blind question. I'm kind of stealing this from Paul of Tompkins. Tailor it to the person. And Spontaneous Nation. All right, so the question is... If you could go any place and live there for a year, where would you go? Ooh, good quest. Just a a year off, a year abroad. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you very much. I'm soliciting questions from guests on the podcast now. So we did it. All right. Now that brings us to the tweets. Now you have selected a tweet of your own devising. Indeed. Um, Do you have it in front of you? I do. Would you like to share it with us on the podcast? Here we go. Blind guy. I love this half sandwich restaurant. Me. What do you mean? This place only serves whole. Service dog puts a paw on my lips. <laughs> His service dog running a sandwich racket. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Service dog. I got a good at from somebody in that on that tweet where they said that they actually knew a service dog that did this. <laughs> and they said they took care of the service dog like while the blind person was doing something. And his wife busted the dog and the dog was like shocked that anybody ever caught it because it, it you know, normally just <laughs> always gets away. It never, it never get caught. <laughs> That's so funny. So it reverse engineered itself into being real. <laughs> this tweet. That's right. Oh, that's great. my art. That's beautiful. So, so yeah, so this tweet became real life. Life imitating art, art imitating life. All right. So thank you very much for that one. And now I have selected a Steve versus Ninjas tweet that <gasps> I will share upon the podcast for the listeners. And it is this. At tax time, sand people file single 
to hide their numbers. <laughs> Where my Star Wars fans at? Where my Star Wars fans at? So very great Star Wars related tweet. Um, obviously referencing a line in the movie where, like the first Star Wars, where uh, <laughs> Obi-Wan says that they walk single file to hide their numbers, right? So you just see one set of footprints, but they <laughs> could be a lot of them. These sand people, they're tricky. So I love this <laughs> tax time. You know, what was cool about that is that uh, I was really excited that Alan Tudyk retweeted that. Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk, for those who don't know, was the big robot in the Star Wars Rogue One movie. And he's also been on Firefly and, and other sci-fi stuff. So that was cool that, that a, a Star Wars involved person re- retweeted that. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah, he was, what was the name <laughs> of that robot? It was great. He was the sass-talking robot of yep. Rogue One. Rogue robot who had been reprogrammed. I cannot remember his. Oh, yeah, his he was an imperial, <laughs> imperial robot that uh, had been reprogrammed. Great stuff. Great, great stuff from the Star Wars <laughs> group over there. <laughs> All right. So thank you for writing those tweets. And now we get in to the tweets from others. So we got a couple of tweets here. And would you like to read one of them? Sure. I will read a tweet from Frank Whitehouse at Will Todd. Funeral. Me. Do you mind if I say a word? Widow. Please do. Me. Plethora. Widow. Thank you. That means a lot. Hey, I love we that tweet get, so much. We got a pun. We got a funeral tweet. We got some back and forths. This tweet has it all. It, it's got so much in it that I mean, the mind. If I say a word, and then him saying a single word, that's a good joke. That's you know, a joke. That's like that is a whole joke. joke all in one. But yes. Then, but then the plethora is is the that's the knockout punch right there that follows it up. That's really good, and the fact that the widow's into it. You know, <laughs> the widow appreciates it, it and also yeah. provides that final punch. It means a lot. Plethora yep. member. Said I do like a, a, if you can fit more than one joke in that tiny amount of format. I, I do appreciate that. <clears throat> it's like a thirty There's... rock style tweet. <laughs> Just how many jokes can you pack in there? Great job <laughs> by right. Frank. Frank is a great account. Um, he also really does great tweet calls and contests and stuff like that. He has a great milestones call that he does. So everyone needs to be following at Wheel Todd with one D. And uh, yeah, shout out to Frank on that one. Great pick. Thanks. Yeah, thanks to Frank for doing Should it. Should I read the second one, or would you like to? <laughs> yeah, um, I can do it, unless you want to, unless you got a good read for it. Yeah, no, go ahead. All right, and this is from the lovely and great Karen at Bat Karen. Na, 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 na. Now, the tweet is this. Watches romance flick backwards to see an insipid woman who lives solely for a man blossom into an individual with her own life. <laughs> really sticking it to those romance films. <laughs> just took down a whole genre of film in one one spot. So incisive, it's really really good. All a lot of her tweets are yeah, great commentary style, uh, but couched in jokes. So it's a funny joke, but also it's saying something. Yeah, she's she's got 
a real great feminist sense and a really great way of delivering it. So just just love Bat Karen. Yeah, she's great. Um, like I said, everyone should be following Karen at Bat Karen. Her mom fucked a bat. So now we get into questions from Twitter. All right. Now this first group of questions is specifically about the ninjas. The ninjas that we've been <laughs> talking about. This group of questions is about that. The first question comes to us from friend of the show, the real Eatwood at the real Eatwood on Twitter. And Danny asks. Without endangering the mission, what can you tell us about your strategy versus the ninjas? <laughs> That's a great question. Because we My got to assume we, <laughs> we have to assume they're listening. Is all I wanted to say. <laughs> exactly. So th- this is going to be some uh, signal ops kind of stuff, <laughs> where I'm going to give them fake information that I'm expecting them to act on. But the act, the the way that you deal with ninjas is that you can't know that they're coming. So you just have to clear your mind and be ready for anything. And then you'll be ready for all the ninjas. Oh. That's the one thing you, you know about ninjas is you know you won't expect them. That's true. They're like the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> so the strategy is That's just right. to be present, live every moment, love every day. Okay, so the strategy, of course, uh, Danny, your question to be answered is... Be aware. Be ready. You can never be ready, but be as ready as you can be and live in the moment to be ready. All right. So the next question rolls in from Jill. I'm talking about Jillian Carger at Jillian Carger. And she asks, boop, boop, beep. Are you still with me? Is that robot from Star Wars trying to call in? <laughs> K2SO was the name for all those people who were yelling at the <laughs> podcast before. <laughs> yeah, K2SO. You don't get all those ads. Alan Tudyk. <laughs> Alan Tudyk and K2SO. Great role. Back to Jillian's question. She asks, exactly how many ninjas have you defeated in battle? It's pretty countless. Um, <laughs> it's actually a, a number that I cannot disclose countless <laughs> you just well, only so many I'm, you don't I'm remember to count them. they're so secretive you don't even know how many you're defeating <laughs> that's right that's pretty cool um do you, do you ever <laughs> say do you ever get to the boss or is it always just like henchman style level yeah they're mostly just the ones that breathe through the reeds that hide in the pond and yeah. try to shoot bullet darts at you that's, and uh, those, those are ones. pretty pretty straightforward easy guys to deal with those like sort of one punch yeah. one throw yeah. knockout <laughs> Or just stay away from the pond. That really frustrates them. <laughs> yeah. If, they, if you don't go near the pond, they can't get you. I keep telling you this. They have one disguise. It's the pond. You just wait for hypothermia to take them out. They wait in there long enough. Those tricky ninjas. So, Jillian, your answer uh, is countless untold numbers. So, thank you very much for the question. And the next question comes from Christine at cmfh111 and she asks are the giant chinese throwing stars cleverly displayed on your wall as suns awkward to wield Mm. no uh, you know what i actually (laughs) i did when my wife bought those look at those and think these would make pretty wicked throwing stars Uh, and because they have lots and lots of points on them they stick real good in stuff, or at least they would if I had actually tried that, which I didn't. I didn't, Julie. I didn't try it. 
He <laughs> didn't try it, but they look like throwing stars. And the next question comes to us from Bun at Eminmin. 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 I think Eminem, but <laughs> yeah, Eminem, but not that at all. So the question asked by Bun: How long have you guys been performing together? Uh, what made you name the band Steve and the Ninjas? I think uh, he may have missed the point uh, that I'm actually versus the ninjas and not not with the ninjas. Yeah, so, it's quite obvious. You know, it's a big maybe verse. Maybe to, to reread that a little bit, but I don't know. These guys might be into music. What kind of music would ninjas play? They might have uh, like those cool. What are those cool like big Japanese guitars or something? Or, or play those big drums? Those kodo oh, drums? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those drums. Sit and lean back. That'd be pretty sweet, actually. I could get something together. Yeah, they'd I'm probably be like that. wall of sound, but still like atmospheric, like intense, but also like, oh, what's secretly happening in the background of this music? Because you don't know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so no <laughs> band. We're fighting the ninjas. We're not rocking with them. If, if we can put something together, I would have. Uh, I would have Bun manage us. So. You know, let's let's talk. <laughs> oh, job offer. This just turned lucrative. And the next question comes from very first friend of the show. Super amazing shout out to Jess at Jess. Okay, fine. Simply the best. And she asks, "Tell me about that pupper, please. I need more info on the pup. Talking about the pup. You got a pup? I got a pup. Yeah, I love." My dog. Oh, my gosh. She's a great dog. All right. Her name is Sadie. Sadie. Here we go. <laughs> dog chat begins. What kind of dog? <laughs> the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Oh. My wife read about this breed. We were trying to figure out what to get. And I've always liked bigger dogs. I've always liked retrievers and stuff. My family all had golden retrievers. And my brothers did. And just love those dogs. And she's like, we can't get a dog that's that that's that big. So she said, what's kind of a sporting dog, but very small. And she settled on that breed. And when I met him, oh my gosh, we went up to this place where there's a breeder up in Washington and these dogs are so great. There was like a dozen of them at her fence and they're all just wagging their tails and they're not even barking. Ooh, that's so they're cute. just so cute and nice dogs. Yeah. I have fun teaching her tricks and stuff. She's very trainable. So she does a figure eight around my legs or She'll jump through a hoop or just do lots of fun stuff. Oh, like agility training. That's really good. Yeah, we um we've yeah, done... a lot about doing agility, official agility, but uh I don't I haven't looked into that far enough yet. She's a therapy dog. Oh, nice. So and she I, goes I and take gets her pets? to visit people <laughs> in a there's pe- old people in a memory care facility. Okay. And so we go she she comforts old people and she's very good at that. Oh man, that's great. She's doing community service. Your yeah. pup's the best. It's a fun, fun thing to do. I recommend anybody to, to look into doing that. I did it with a place called Pet Partners. If you have a sweet, gentle dog, uh, I would recommend it. It's really gratifying, and the dogs like it, and yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's a win-win situation. Well, that's lovely. I'm very impressed. Thank you so much, Jess, for that great question. And now a question from friend of the show. Timmy at the Timmy Toes. And he always asks great questions, and this question is no different. He asks, what's the furthest you've driven to buy a food item? 
I've been blessed with pretty good access to delicious food things, but the thing that drives me the farthest is probably ice cream. So I've gone or ice cream like products. Like when we were in Milwaukee, the thing to have there is frozen custard. Okay. And sometimes there's a custard stand that's way on the other side of town and you might drive 45 minutes to get there or something. Or uh, there was a great place in Plainwell, Michigan, which had really good ice cream. I think it was just called the Plainwell Ice Creamery or something like that. And so we would drive 45 minutes to go get ice cream at that place. So, yeah, it's definitely ice cream driving me to drive a long distance. It's ice cream. And in some cases, custard. You got that 45-minute custard. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we have something similar. We have um, – there's a Kawartha Dairy who makes great ice cream, um, but they're sort of up north like an hour and a bit out of the city. But uh, if you have a place in cottage country, it's worth the drive. Is that a, is that a Toronto fixture or all over Canada? Uh, no, it's just specifically in the Kawartha Lakes. So that's sort of north of the city. But like you got to drive about an hour, hour and a half north to get up there. So it's like cottage country. It's where people go on the weekends to their cottage on a bunch on a lake. <laughs> nice. Yeah, super nice. All right, so it is ice cream. Very good. Now we are winding down. I'm talking about the last couple questions. And thank you to everyone who has submitted a question. It's really great to uh, get all these questions from the listeners. It really helps the show. This next question comes to us from Rads at Feeling Euphoric. Great guest, friend of the show, and she asks, Suddenly, you can only get around using a unicycle, a Segway, or moonwalking. Which do you choose, and why? (laughs) I love this so much. This is a really funny question. Uh, And unfortunately, it's going to expose something embarrassing about myself, which is... I own a unicycle. Oh, I can't here we go. Ride it yet, but <laughs> a friend of mine had a unicycle and I tried it and it was one of those things where I feel like, wow, I can almost do this. I can almost do this. This is kind of awesome. And I, I like doing skill based things where you get to learn something new. So I went out and bought myself a unicycle, but unfortunately, I never got past the, I feel like I can almost do this point. So <laughs> got the balance point. If I could point. only get around on a unicycle, then that would definitely force me to actually learn to ride my unicycle. So I would definitely choose that. Wow, unicycle. Rads, how did you know? <laughs> Very cool. So you choose a unicycle. So um, Rads has a follow-up question. Uh, n- follow-up. Now you only have one foot. So you have to use your hands. Which one now? Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very cool. Say, Interesting. She's going to think that I'm going to go with the Segway because that would probably be easiest to control with only your hands. But no, I'm going to stay with the unicycle what? and become the handstand <laughs> unicycling guy. Wow. Sticking with the cycle. I think instead of a seat, you could have a helmet. Okay, yeah. I'm sure people it? do it like, like that. Like an upside down helmet? No, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And then when, when you stood up, you could just like, if you fell over, you could just land on your feet. I guess it's true. Well, you cracked the code. You can stick with unicycle <laughs> even if you only have one foot. Just extra <laughs> extra skill-based <laughs> skill. A, a, a small modification. Extra skill. All right. Well, that was great. 
Thank you again to everyone who submitted questions. Thanks, Rad, at Feeling Euphoric. And everyone check out our episode. All right. So that brings us to the end of the podcast. So thank you so much, Steve, for joining me. And I got something in my throat. <clears throat> so thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. This is where we wrap it up. And if you've got anything to promote or shout out, now's the time. Well, let's see. I did see one question from Hoppers, and I'll tell him that my favorite color of highlighter is orange. And yes, hyper color shirts should be back in fashion. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I missed Hopper's question. <laughs> now I feel. Yeah, awful. I love the Hoppers. I love <clears throat> Hoppers did a really cool thing years ago where on Saturdays or Sundays, he would promote small accounts and retweet a whole bunch of their stuff and yep. it was super nice of him and i remember my my opportunity is what i called it <laughs> it's a great day on twitter that's great yeah the hoppers feature we talk about it on his episode which has dropped now at the time of this <laughs> podcasters who are listening and they all know about hoppers and his call so hopefully everyone is following him at frog avalanche and I can't believe I missed his questions. I'm going to find his question and read it just so that everybody knows. Okay, that I got I, you back. <laughs> yeah, you, you answered the question really quickly, but uh, I don't know if we got to the uh, question. So he asked, what was your favorite t- color of highlighter? And should hypercolor t-shirts be back in fashion? We all remember hypercolor t-shirts. I for sure do. And you've already answered, so we'll just put that in in post. We'll move it around, and that'll be fine. So <laughs> thank you again, uh, everyone who asked the question. Thank you so much, Hoppers. And thank you, Steve vs. Ninjas. Everyone go check them out on the Twitter sphere. So that brings us to the end of the show, and now we can say our goodbyes as the podcast theme gently plays in the background. So thanks again. <laughs> Um, yeah, had a great time, and I think, I, really, uh, <laughs> I think we learned a thing or two. <laughs> Sorry if I sound like I'm talking over you, and it's because I am. It's because you're breaking up on my Skype. But that's okay, because we're done with the show. We did it. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Steve. I bet you didn't even realize the ninjas were there the whole time. Go to FOTS Pod to send a question for future guests. I am at Skinner Steven on the Twitter. You may visit StephenWSkinner.com for all the episodes, every single one. I dare you to subscribe to automatically get the new episode every week. I want to say cheers to Kyle Davidson for the theme and to Ruby Coast for the music. And I want to say thanks to you so very much for listening. And I would also like to say, have a great one.